Before we get started, I just want to explain something. The oral history interview at the center of this week's episode was conducted in Spanish. That's Edgar's native tongue and the language that he's most comfortable with, so that's how we did it. So when I began to think about how we could turn this into a podcast, it hit me that this is kind of a really cool opportunity that we've got on our hands. And so we decided to do the episode in both English and Spanish. One with Edgar's voice for Spanish speakers out there, and the other translated to English and spoken by a voice actor. We believe that language justice is an important part of our work and the conversations that we're having. That means cultivating a multilingual space within Grassland 2.0 and the larger movement. So right now, you are tuned into the English version. And if that's what's going to be easiest for you to listen to, then you are absolutely in the right place. But if you're someone who's got a little bit of Spanish skills, then I guess I just encourage you to give Edgar's original interview a chance. I think it's really worth it. And you can find that out in the feed. Just pop back out. You'll see it right there. Thanks and happy listening. On Scott's farm with Grayson, we have opportunities. Maybe there are months with a lot of work. But after working there for years, I know that there will be two or three months with very little work. Time for yourself. Time to relax. Time for family. Time to take a vacation. To leave. It's such an important thing that maybe a lot of farmers don't see that way. Hey, I'm Corey, and welcome back to the GrassCast. This is Stories on Pasture, stories from the grazing community about their experiences getting started and going forward. For this episode, I spoke with Edgar Navarro. Edgar lives on his family's small farm just outside Dodgeville, Wisconsin. And over the years, he's also been an employee on a bunch of different dairy farms. But today, he works at Green Dairy and Uplands Cheese, where Scott Marika is one of the owners. Edgar and I connected over the phone back in October. And during our conversation, he had tons to say about Scott and Scott's farm. Mostly, he compared his job today on a grazing operation with the conditions at some of the other conventional farms where he worked before he arrived at Scott's. His words are a call to remember that farm workers are important and that these different systems have a huge impact on them. I'll let Edgar explain it to you himself. My name is Edgar Navarro. I come from the state of Guanajuato in Mexico. I immigrated to the United States 13 years ago, and I came to a town called Dodgeville, Wisconsin, and I've been here for 15 years. My childhood in Guanajuato was like any other child's, going to school, playing, spending time with friends. But my mother migrated to the United States when I was six years old, and I later migrated to be with her. 
When I migrated to the United States, it was a very drastic change. It was something that I never expected in my life coming to this country. At the beginning, it was hard for me because I didn't speak the language and I didn't have much knowledge about how things were here. I came to a farm and I didn't have experience working on farms. I didn't have experience with cows, tractors, the land. I learned all of that here in Wisconsin over the years. Just to be clear, Edgar was born in Mexico and spent his first 13 years there. Then, at 13, he moved to his stepfather's farm in rural Wisconsin. We're talking about a family dairy farm, and a small one at that, with less than 100 cows. So, Edgar helped out with farm chores from the first day he arrived. And that is how he learned about dairying from his stepfather. When I was 18 years old, I wanted to launch my future, to follow my own path. I went out to look for different opportunities in life. I went out to find a path for myself. I worked on maybe four different farms before I came here to work for Scott. It was a nice experience because it allowed me to learn and mature and improve as a person and as a worker and learn what I want in life. The farm where I started working when I left home was a farm where you had to work long hours. Normally, we'd work 100 hours a week. It started with milking cows. A cousin and I milked 200 cows. When we finished milking, it was time to feed the bulls, the calves, and do the general farm work. On that farm, we were there about six months until we decided to change to another because it was a lot of work and it seemed to us that it wasn't much money that they were paying us. Back then, they were paying us about $7 an hour, and it was 12 or 15 hours of work a day with no rest. So, Edgar works on a couple of different dairy farms. They're all pretty much like he just described, not the most positive experiences. You'll hear more about that in a minute. But eventually, Edgar decides that he needs a break, and he quits and takes a trip to visit his family in Guanajuato. And then... I had just come back from Mexico, and I was looking for work. A neighbor told me that Scott was looking for someone. So I decided to go, and that's how I met Scott. I asked for work, and they accepted me. When I started working there for them, I started working in the cheese factory, because as you may know, they make their own cheese. So I worked for hours in the cheese factory, and in the afternoons, I helped them to do the afternoon milking on their farm. Over time, Scott offered me full-time work on the farm, which meant leaving the cheese factory. I accepted, but it was different for me, because it was the first time I had worked on a grazing farm. Never in my life had I seen a farm like it. I didn't know farms like it existed. I just have to cut in, because Edgar really loves Scott. I mean, this was so clear from our conversation, and if you haven't already started to notice his appreciation and admiration, I'm sure that you will hear it now. This has been really important in terms of Edgar's transition to the grazing system, but it goes far beyond that. And before we continue with the story, I want to let you know that for the next four minutes, Edgar is going to talk about some cases of abuse on the farms where he worked. There's even some mention of violence. 
I think it's important to hear these stories and to sit with them, but I also recognize that some of you might want to fast forward through this part. In my experience, I feel Scott is not a boss. He's a leader because he gives us a lot of support. If we're doing something, Scott comes over and does it too. He works as a team. And in my experience with other bosses, well, I've had bosses who sometimes never left their houses. They spent all day in the house. Sometimes they'd call us on the phone and they'd say, today you're going to do this and this and this and this. And the whole day you'd never see the boss. All the times I've had bosses we only saw on payday, the day we got our checks. They'd show up, give you your check, and they'd go. In other experiences I've had, the bosses were a bit abusive, kind of aggressive, like they didn't value their employees. I once had the experience of working on a farm where we worked maybe 12 or 15 hours, but in those 15 hours, they only gave us 15 minutes of break time, and those 15 minutes were for eating. But if you ate in 10 minutes, they wanted you to get up and get back to work. They didn't respect our 15 minutes to eat. Once I saw a boss lady hit one of her female employees. She was shouting, you could say, insults and bad things, which wasn't necessary because the girls worked hard and did their work well. And I think that boss lady didn't respect or value her employees. And there were many similar bosses. Another time, another boss lady hit one of my co-workers and fired him then and there. I think it's bad because there are many Hispanics or Latinos who, because of their migratory status, are afraid. They're afraid to speak up. I think a lot of bosses abuse that. Like I told you, that boss lady didn't want to pay the guy after she fired him. She told him she wasn't going to pay him. And she didn't. She didn't pay him his hours. She didn't pay him that pay period. I had trouble with that boss lady too. When I decided to leave, she didn't want to pay me the hours I'd worked. But the difference with me is that I have legal status. She was mad when she gave me the check because she knew I could possibly sue her. But I think there are many people from my country who are afraid of that. But Scott is very, very different. He's given me many opportunities and helped me grow quite a bit. But they're not all the same. Ha! <laughs> wow. When I listen to these stories, I hear another perspective on just how broken things are. Don't get me wrong. It's inexcusable that someone in a position of power treat others that way. But also, these farm owners must be so stressed and overwhelmed by a system that is failing them horribly. And that same system has told them that all of their workers are disposable, easy to replace, insignificant in the scheme of it all. But, I mean, what would it look like if that norm was different? What if it was just expected that farm workers be respected and appreciated as people? Last night I was with a friend from Nicaragua who said to me, Scott is such an incredible person. He said, he treats people like he was another Latino. And I think, in part, that's what makes Scott a better leader. He's lived with lots of Latinos. He understands us. 
he knows the difficult path you take to be able to leave your country to come here. I think Scott understands that, and in part, that's how he knows how to treat us and how to talk with us. And I think that in contrast to Scott, there are bosses that don't understand that. They don't understand their employees' circumstances. They don't support them. They don't listen to them. And that's why they feel that way, the people who want to work for Scott. I have friends who say, my boss, if he wants, he can replace me tomorrow. It's not at all hard for him to do. But Scott is not like that. He always wants someone who comes to his farm to work there for many years. He doesn't want them to be a temporary worker. He doesn't want them looking for a new job after three or four months. I think it's hard for a lot of people to find that because there are bosses who don't give their workers much importance and it doesn't seem to matter to them if they fire them or replace them with someone better. My cousin works on a farm and tells me things. He told me there was once a man who had been working on the farm for 17 years. He asked the boss lady if he could have Saturdays and Sundays off and she said no. He felt like he wasn't valued, because after 17 years working there, how was it possible that they wouldn't give him two days in a row off, Saturday and Sunday? I think that Scott, on the other hand, would not mind at all. I can ask him for days off, and he gives them to me. I can ask him for vacations, and he gives them to me. He respects our lives outside the farm. There are many farmers, I think, who don't understand or don't want to accept that we have lives outside of the farm. And not everything is just working for them. There are bosses. Not all of them, right? Because there are bosses who do value their people, their employees. But I think it's a very small percentage. We've heard a lot about Scott as a farm owner-operator and how he measures up against others in the world of Wisconsin dairy farms. But Scott is also sort of like a a stand-in, if you will, for grazing operations in general. And a lot of the things that Edgar likes, well, it has to do with the rhythm and routine of dairy grazing. On any farm, in any situation. I come from Mexico. I grew up in Mexico until I was 13. I have a lot of friends in Mexico. I have family in Mexico. And I know that on Scott's farm, I have the opportunity to go visit them because there comes a time when we stop milking the cows. Every year, I know the time will come when we dry everything and stop milking. That's different from other farms that have to be milking all year, working all year, and they may have the same earnings. So, in my opinion, it's a good thing. In fact, I think that in three weeks, we'll start milking only once a day. So... Then we have the afternoon free. And a lot of people, a lot of farmers are afraid. And they ask Scott if that affects the cows. Things of that sort. I think that it all depends on the people who are doing the work. Because we are very careful when we make the switch. When we switch to once a day, we are very careful with all the cows that could have a higher somatic cell count for mastitis. We monitor them more closely we take better care of them. 
we already know the animals. We know the cows that maybe need more time to dry up. So there's no big effect on the cows if you know them all and monitor them. But for my personal life, it's a good change. Because there comes a time when you say, Ah, I think I maybe feel like going to visit a family member or a friend. And you're not thinking about having to come back to milk in the afternoon. A time comes when we stop milking. Scott will give me vacation time and it gives me the opportunity to go visit my family in Mexico. And I think, in the time I've worked on other farms, the truth is, I never had the opportunity to do that. Because if you asked for a vacation of a month or two, you would basically lose your job. The bosses would look for another person and replace me. So, in part... That's something I really like about Grayson. The flow really matters. And not just because it allows for some variation in the work, but because it also leaves space for people to be humans, for rest and recovery and vacation. Normally, here with Scott, the cows start to give birth the second week of March. Scott's goal is to have most of the cows given birth over 40 or 50 days, depending on the year. So, from the second week of March through April, the goal is for all the cows who have given birth. Those are the hardest days on the farm. But we only milk once a day, so that makes it easier. So, from the second week of March until 120 cows have given birth, or 130 cows, that's when we start to milk twice a day. That might be, as of the third week of April, continuing until the third week of October. It could be May to October when we milk the cows twice a day. We take care of the grazing, insemination, the process of impregnating the cows, all that. When October arrives, maybe the third week of October, we make the change again to once a day. And we milk once a day from October to the summer. In December, maybe the last week of December, we dry up all the cows. January and February, we just feed them. That's how it is, every year. So, why not make this kind of a change? I think for a lot of people, their biggest fear in making the change is the cows. They think the cows are going to get sick, or something like that. But if they looked at the way the farmer lives or the employees, I think they'd be more inclined. Because, like I told you, when you work all day, all year, there comes a point when you get bored. That's why I changed jobs. I changed jobs like four times. And it was for the same reason. When you don't have the opportunity to rest, working on a farm for two years, and for those two years, you're working every day, seven days a week, every day starting at 3 in the morning and finishing at 7 at night. And when you ask the boss for a day off, the boss doesn't want to give it to you because he doesn't want to have to hire another person to cover your time off. So either you look for another job or you go on the same way every day with no time for your own life. And I think that to this day, that boss continues to have the same problem. Employees don't last long with him for the same reason, that he never offers them a day off 
In contrast, on Scott's farm with grazing, we have opportunities. Maybe there are months with a lot of work, but after working there for years, I know that there will be two or three months with very little work. Time for yourself. Time to relax. Time for family. Time to take a vacation, to leave. It's such an important thing that maybe a lot of farmers don't see that way. Edgar, thank you so much for sharing with us and for speaking so eloquently about a difficult topic. I'm going to let Edgar have the last word, but first I'm just going to cruise through our closing thanks and that whole spiel really quickly. Please, please, please stay tuned. Even if you don't normally make it all the way through these credits, it'll be worth it to hear Edgar again at the end. So, you have been listening to Edgar Navarro. He helps out on his family's small dairy farm. He's also an employee at Green Dairy and Uplands Cheese in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. You can find out more about them if you'd like. They've got a website, uplandscheese.com. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, all those spots. This has been another episode of the GrassCast, Stories on Pasture. GrassCast is a project of Grassland 2.0. If you want to find out more about the work Grassland 2.0 is doing, you should check out our website, www.grasslandag.org. Time for the full slate of thank yous in hyperspeed. First, I'd like to shout out Carl Wepking and Scott Marika, who helped connect me to Edgar. Also, a special thank you to the Interpreters Cooperative of Madison. They did the translation for this episode. Josue Alanya is the voice actor who read the English version that you just listened to. He's amazing. Thank you so much, Josue. And of course, as always, lots of love to our podcasting team, Case Walton Wheatley, Michael Bell, Hannah Cass. Thank you for the countless ways that you continue to support this project. This week's song is Donder by Blue Dot Sessions. And last but definitely not least, another huge thank you to the grazing community. Everyone out there who has talked to us over Zoom, over Skype, over the phone during these pandemic times. We so appreciate all that you've shared with us on this oral history journey and continue to be humbled by your knowledge and experience. So, as I promised, I'm kicking it back to Edgar for one last thought. Since I know you're doing this podcast for a project that a lot of farmers are a part of, a lot of people, I want to ask them to value and respect their employees more. I want them to understand that the majority of their farms are worked by Latino hands by Hispanic hands. There are few bosses that I know who milk their cows, who know their cows. Most prefer to sit on their tractors or in their houses. And I don't think they value their employees highly enough or give them enough recognition. That's something they can change. They can give more support. And I think they would have better results and more gratitude on the part of their employees. I have a lot of friends and people I'm close with, and I know they don't get the recognition they should have for everything they do.